Hello, listener. I want to share with you an opportunity to attend a free masterclass with a previous guest, Vanessa Zami. Vanessa is a business maven, and she wants to share with us her tips and tricks of how she was able to grow a purpose-driven business without burnout, sleep deprivation, or meditation. This masterclass is happening next week, February 17th at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. So if you are interested, go ahead and click on the link in my Instagram bio at MosesGTY in order for you to sign up for the free masterclass training. I'm going to be there. The real question is, are you? Hello, listeners. On this show, I talk with everyday African Americans who were able to transform their passions and struggles into their dreams. I'm your host, Moses Tillman Young, and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. In this episode, I interview Javon Wooden. He is an Army veteran, a YouTube creator, mindset coach, and the author of his new book, Own Your Kingdom, teaching you about increasing your confidence and self-esteem. In our conversation, Javon and I discuss his insights into what makes a good mindset coach, how he was able to write his book in three days, and his incredible tips on how to break into the public speaking game in 2021. We are recording. So today with me on the Black Gold Podcast is Javon Wooden. And Javon, first of all, I want to say thank you for your service. You're welcome. Thank you. So getting started, you are a, a professional speaker and you're also a personal coach. What how did you get into the the personal coaching scene and what aspects of your training did you incorporate into what you teach today? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I got into coaching because like back in the day, everyone would say, Hey, man, you give great advice. I feel like, you know, every time I speak to you, I'm motivated. You should be a motivational speaker. You know, you just have this way to make people feel better about themselves, et cetera. I was like, you know, that's actually, that's actually pretty cool. You know, I I love helping people. You know, I've had a journey that I feel provides me intuition to help other situations. So I started looking in 2017, you know, like, what could I do? I don't want to just speak all the time. And I found coaching, you know, I found life coaching and I went through the training and all that stuff actually while I was deployed um, to Afghanistan. So I was like going through this stuff and it just spoke to me. It just spoke to me like, oh man. You know, just going through the peer coaching and seeing the power of it is why I started. And then incorporating training. I mean, military training, I feel like goes in everything because that's why we wanted to become a mindset coach. Like I understand the power of having a, the proper mindset in all aspects of life. So I incorporate some of that through my how I speak to people, that communication, and then how like you have empathy. Right. Because when we used to go out and speak to other people, 
you know, that was one of the big things, right? Building those relationships, building that union and building up trust. So you said that you really got going around 2017. Uh, yes. What was the reason, what was the decision that you made that, you know, that year, 2017, that you're going to go forward and switch from becoming just a motivational speaker into a personal mm-hmm. coach? Yeah. So what made me want to do it more was, you know, one, I know motivational speakers, they travel a ton and I still wanted my autonomy to be able to be where I wanted to be. Right. I knew how I was tired of traveling from the military and I didn't want to just have to pick up and go live out of the suitcase, et cetera. And with coaching, I can do it from anywhere and impact anyone in the world. Right. So I knew that that was one of the main reasons, right. Just being able to be wherever I wanted to be still have my freedom and autonomy to be wherever I, I was at the time, you know. Was there anyone who was able to help you in terms of developing those personal coaching skills? Yeah, I, I don't have like one person specifically. I think that just over time, people who allowed me, who shared what was going on in their lives, really helped me hone my skills and really helped me become comfortable with speaking to people in that way, no matter what the issue was. Are there some lessons that you, that they taught you that yeah, you could share with us today? For sure. Active listening is one of the biggest lessons, you know, not listening to respond, but really listening to understand. Because a lot of times when you're speaking to someone or when someone's speaking to you and they come to you, they confide in you, they don't want you to actually say anything, right? A lot of times they just need to vent and get it out. And as they're speaking, they come up with their own solutions. And a lot of that is what coaching is, right? I do kind of like a coaching consulting collaboration where, you know, I'll listen and then I'll let my clients go through and try to develop their own situations. But then the consulting aspect is, I'll say, you know what, if I see a clear view of what would work for them, I'll say, hey, how about we try this, right? How about we try this? And if it doesn't work or and if it doesn't agree with you, then we just try to work and brainstorm another action plan. Uh, second thing that I learned from that is empathy. The importance of empathy when you're speaking to someone, right? Sympathetic is, you know, you feel for that person, And then empathy is feeling as that person, right? So instead of saying, what would I do if I was in my shoes? You know, I look at it from their perspective, you know, try to get a holistic view of everything that's going on that is tied into this situation. And I think that is very important because, you know, what I may do in a situation is definitely not what they might do in a situation. I have to understand that, that they're coming to me with their life, going through what they've gone through and, you know, the options I see, options I I understand, they might not have been able to think of it because they're in it, right? When you're in it, you can't quite see the, all the options you have. So I have to take myself out and look at it from that bird's eye view perspective and say, okay, they've gone through all these things. And this is probably why they feel like they don't have the confidence or they don't they don't have any other options because they tried so many things and it just didn't work. So I had to look at it from that, that point of empathy. So it's active listening and empathy mm-hmm. are the two things, the two key takeaways that you impart in terms of coaching someone through a difficulty or trying to get them to the next level where they want to go. Has there been mm-hmm. a point in uh, either your personal life or when you were learning how to become a personal coach, 
Was mm-hmm. there any point during that time where you felt like you were doing something wrong and that you shouldn't be on that path? Oh, yeah. All the time, actually. I mean, I think that that's just a part, you know, as I was coming up, right? Because 2017, what I took a break, right? I took a break in between then and earlier this year when I restarted because I had to get myself right. And I think that it was important for me to take a step back and really fill my own cup up before I started trying to pour into others, right? Because at the point I was struggling with, you know, really bad PTSD, depression, and I wasn't in a position to serve. So that's when I was like, okay, it's, it's not right for me to, to go ahead and serve these clients because I'm not in a position to, right? So I took that step back. And it took me, as, as you know, like two years, right? It took me two and a half years to get to the point where I felt like I was ready to do it again. So it was the idea that you know that you have your own shortcomings and that you also know your clients have shortcomings. But sure. you need to first, in a way, accept and overcome your own shortcomings in order to provide assistance mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, I think that's, you, you said it perfectly. I think it's so important for coaches, you know, life coaches, mindset coaches, and all of us to really ensure that, you know, no one's perfect, right? And that needs to be conveyed, one. I'm all about vulnerability. I'm all about transparency, and I'm all about non-judgment, right? Um, so I had to make sure that I could be vulnerable in a way that uh, felt authentic to me. I had to make sure that I could actually listen to everything that was going on with my clients without drifting off, thinking about my own things, right? I had to make sure I could be there, be in the moment. You can't do that. I mean, I can't do that. I can't say you can't, but I can't do that if I'm just tired all the time, if I'm drained, if I know that I'm going through my my depressed phases, you know, myself. Like you can see if you follow me on social media that I put that out there right? I'm not hiding anything, right? If I'm depressed, I'll make a video like, hey, I'm not filling up to it, right? I'm laying in bed still right now uh, because I think it's important as a coach that your clients see that you're a human, right? That your clients see that you go through these things too, right? It's not all glitz and glam, right? The things that I learn from are the same things I see my clients going through now. That intuition is very important for me. You see a lot of people saying they're coaches, but, you know, coaches, is a, it's a non-regulated industry and they have not gone through the necessary steps to really, truly serve their clients. And I feel like they're doing them a disservice. I don't want that to be me, right? I want to give my clients the transformation that they deserve, the transformation that they pay for, the transformation that they came to me for. So how during COVID-19 were you able to change your business from what it was previously to what it is now? Yeah, I think COVID-19 was actually um, a great time for me to reevaluate everything, right? Business, life, everything. Um, In my business, I just started implementing systems to make things a lot smoother for the client, right? Implementing automation, right? You can go to my site and book a call and it'll pop up right on my calendar, right? The Zoom link will be sent to you immediately. You know, if you have to change things, you have to reschedule automatically. Payments, 
right? You can automate your payments now. You don't have to contact me like, hey, I'm ready to pay, right? I have a whole CRM or customer relationship management system now that it just puts them through a customer journey, which is seamless. You know, they only have to really interact with me if something's going on, right? Other than that, they can download their free resources, right? I have courses coming out uh, now, which I wouldn't have had before because COVID really forced me to sit down along with a lot of other people. It forced me to sit down and really reevaluate what I was doing. So I think that, you know, it really allowed me to, to create content that serve my clients in a way that is evergreen versus me always having to be there. Yeah, and also the thing about it is that it also gives you time to reflect. Then also, if you are someone who is a bit of a perfectionist, you can also, you know, you record something once and you can go back and you can edit it, tweak this, change yeah. that, switch this up. And so it gives you that time that you usually don't have in a, you know, fast paced, need this, you know, next week kind of thing. You can take a time with right. it as long as you want it to go for. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Just you saying that made me think of the YouTube videos, right? I first started it like, I think like three months ago, right? And they suck. Like I'm looking at them now. I'm like, man, <laughs> but you have to take in perfect action, right? You have to take in perfect action, you know? And that's what COVID allowed me to do, right? I put it up there. I just said, hey, I'm going to start this. I'm going to go for it. You know, if it wasn't for that, I, I wouldn't even thought about creating YouTube. I wouldn't have thought about creating courses. You know, I would have just been like, you know what? I'm still working full time and I have this business, you know, on the side. And it might have just stayed that way. This has forced me to really grow the business. Yeah, and it's also the idea that you don't have to start perfectly. You just mm -hmm. have to start. And once you start, you can learn like, oh, like this mic is better than that mic. And, you know, yeah. you can get some lighting up in here and it looks all nice and sweet. But uh, apart from <laughs> that, yeah, just, just start with whatever you have. You have your phone, computer, you know, your books. Just do whatever you can with what you have. Right, for sure. I love that. Yes, imperfect action. That's, that's yes. all you have to do. Just take that step. You can get better as you go, you know. On the job training is some of the best training you can have. Exactly. Uh, are there any um, books you've been reading recently, especially through COVID, that have either informed or taught you different things in terms of how you live every single day and also just what you do generally in terms of your, your business? For sure. I mean, I've been reading a lot of marketing, sales, and all that stuff. Those types of books, like Building a Story Brand, what else? Marketing Made Simple, all those things for business. But I think the, the book that really stands out in my mind right now that's helped me personally and professionally is The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Um, yes. I think that that book has, it's not long, right? It's got stoic thinking, mm -hmm. and it really helps you look at change of perception. Yeah, I love that you book too. That's one yes. of my favorites. Yes. Yeah, he gives like beautiful examples too from like different ranges, different sources. It's incredible. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. So I, I definitely recommend the listeners, you know, go ahead and pick that one up. Yeah. yeah and also, it's the idea of overcoming, as the, the title suggests, it says the obstacle is the way. You use mm -hmm. your disadvantages, you flip them and turn them into advantages, and then yes. you attack your goals, your dreams from that perspective. And so it just goes so much faster because you're going in sync with what is happening rather than going mm -hmm. against it, causing some resistance to actually get what you want to get done. 
yeah, so that's, it's mental yeah. jujitsu, man. Mental yeah. jujitsu, like using that leverage. I always say turn negatives to positives, and that's why I think you know I, I like it so much as well. Yeah, it's a wonderful book, absolutely wonderful book. Sure. Yeah, has there been anything else that you've been either I don't know, like watching or listening to during COVID that has helped you out? Yeah, there's a there's a few podcasts I like. Like I love Earn Your Leisure. You know, those brothers are doing their thing. Uh, yeah, I love what the the platform they're putting out there. Um, watching, I haven't really watched too much that's like set apart. So if you have some recommendations, or your listeners have recommendations, I'm all for it. I'm trying to get more into it. I, I definitely love documentaries, but I haven't like sat down and watched many of them. Other than that, I mean, probably I listen to a lot of audio books, right? And I think that's probably where a lot of my time goes, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. I just love especially when it's the author, right? When it's the author, I just love hearing their perspective and the side notes. They... Nonfiction, I don't know if you like it, but there's a book called Children of Children of Blood and Bone. I just listened to that. I think that's an amazing story if you love nonfiction. Now, what's it about? Yeah, I'm sorry, not the... nonfiction, fiction. Fiction. Non-fiction, I mean, fiction. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, it's a dope, dope, dope story. So in terms of where do you live right now? You're living in Houston? Houston, Texas. Yes, sir. Houston. I moved here in Thanksgiving of last year. So still uh, learning my way, but I'm loving it. That's nice. How's it been since uh, you moved in there? Oh, it's been dope, man. You know, just it's, it's something for everyone here. You know, it's such a large city, but just the green space, even though it's flatlands, you know, it's just having the, all the parks around. You can go for a run. You can go for a walk. Just chill. I think that that just brings that that goodness out of you. You know, nature is such a part of healing and, and restoring yourself. And it's a lot of it. And then it's just some beautiful like murals and art. There's tons of museums, all the stuff I love to do, Houston has, you know, a bunch of bars, a bunch of outdoor seating. And the people here have been very welcoming, you know, just going out and, and networking. Of course, COVID kind of limits things. Not here because everything's open. But, you know, if you're responsible <laughs> you know COVID can limit things and so just you know doing what I can as far as networking and establish like you know social circle and all that stuff it's been it's been very great you know I moved here from Maryland from Largo Maryland uh in DC when at the time when I moved was completely shut down and there again COVID you know I probably wouldn't have moved here if it wasn't for COVID so COVID, you know, it, it was the opportunity to look and really do some introspection about what I truly wanted, right? And I didn't want those high prices of paying in the Northeast anymore. So I said, <laughs> I'm coming down. That's nice. Now, why did you choose Houston rather than Austin? Because I know like a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, especially now, recent, more recently creative entrepreneurs are mm-hmm. uh, gathering into Austin. Why did you choose Houston? Yeah, I chose Houston, man. I, you know, Houston is the most diverse city in the country right now. That's one thing. And then when you talk about cost of living, Austin is closer to those Northeast prices. Houston okay. is like very, very cheap, you know, considering like that is the, like the third largest now metropolitan area. You know, Black people are doing very well. You know, there's there's a ton of options for, for entrepreneurs. There's, there's businesses coming up every day. The assortment of restaurants and amenities is is top notch, and it has those two airports, so I can fly. I know I can get out if I want to travel. 
it's just a ton of different reasons, man. Like when I was doing my research, I looked into all of that, right? How many people, what's the influx of people? New builds, like how much are they building new um, apartments and housing? That's a great sign. Um, job creation, job growth is, is doing very well, you know, either top or close. Um, that's nice. So it's pretty cool. You get to be around, and it's 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 metropolitan. It has different things, as you said, museums, different. Oh, Houston has incredible food, incredible yeah. food scene, and especially Man. an incredible <laughs> ethnic food scene too. Yeah, yeah, yeah different Asian sure. Asian places, Ethiopian places, East African yeah. places. Yeah. Yeah, it's that diversity kicks in. You see it everywhere you go, man. It's like, and it's it's cool because like every neighborhood legitimately has its own feel, you know. Yes. So I, I like that as well. You know, you go drive to Rice, you know, the Rice University area, completely different from like Midtown and all that. So I, I love that too. Like I can explore and just like you know, I'm a big kid at heart, so I like to explore and find new things um, and new stuff to do. Right. So I just. It just hit the spot, man. And I hadn't visited previously, right? I think I, I came here for a few days in September. Then I moved in November. I just took the chance. Sometimes you got to take that leap of faith. Yeah. Has there been anything you've been wanting to do recently, uh, ever since you moved? Yeah, I, I just completed one, man, writing a book. You know, I just completed writing my book. That was such an amazing experience you know, just, just going through and saying, all right, I want to be an author. You know, that was one of my things. And then finally becoming one, right. It's in the editing phase now. That's been a blessing. Travel more. I wanted to do more stateside travel instead of going overseas. I've started to do that. You know, I went to um, Arizona, which was dope. Amazing experience. So majestic out that way. And I want to hit a few more um, states and cities before this year is out, COVID willing, you know, if COVID allows us to, to do so, you know, I'd like to do that. I've never been to Louisiana. That's one of the places I'm on this. And then just more, more time with myself, being able to just chill, you know, not traveling all over the place, not driving everywhere. I live in Midtown here in Houston and, and just being able to like stay within my area if I want to and get so many different types of food and, and, and have so many different types of experiences has been a blessing. It's just, you know, everything here has just been, it's like things have just taken off since I've moved. It's incredible. And how long did it take you to write your book? To write my book? It was over the course. So I went through, um, I actually had a coach. Her name is uh, Taria Vaughn, if, if anyone is interested. Um, I went through her and she has a program where you do like six weeks of pre-work and then you have a, a three-day boot camp weekend and you write your book then, right? So that's how the process went. So it was real dope. It was real dope. Voice typed it like in three days, all the content. That's nice. So what was all the, all the, all the pre-work? What, what did you have to do before you could actually get out the yeah. book? Yeah, so in the pre-work, so you have where you develop who your avatar is, like who you're trying to speak with, right? And then you, you know, talk about like what your chapters are going to be, and then you develop your sub-chapters. She tells you how to create like your, your sell page, your capture page, your flyers, all these different things you create that I wouldn't even thought about, you know, how to get your ISBN number, 
all those different things she she teaches you and then she supports you along the way which is really really dope so what what tool did you use to transcribe your book yeah just just google docs google docs has the voice the voice transcription i'll just use that that's pretty neat yeah and so uh, how, how how long is it how many pages do you have in your book um i'm still getting it formatted but i'm assuming it's going to be just based on like how long the manuscript was it'll probably be like around 130 somewhere yeah. around there So it's called Own Your Kingdom. It's about increasing your confidence, building your self-esteem, and controlling your mindset so you can control your destiny. In it, I cover vulnerability, like how to become more vulnerable and the importance of that, like when you're trying to heal, forgiving yourself, how to do it, you know, what it looks like, building your self-esteem, as I said. I cover how to like establish relationships, goal setting and prioritization. It's just an assortment of different things that I covered that I think is really key in what I call owning your kingdom because owning your kingdom really is all about having control of your emotions, being able to communicate effectively, not catastrophizing things, right? Realizing that things that are happening are temporary, right? They're not finite. So if you make a mistake, you can get over that, right? You can, you know, as long as you waking up, you have a chance, right? It's all about creating opportunities instead of waiting for opportunities. And I think that that's very important in, you know, owning your kingdom. Nice. Yeah. So, so in terms of writing a book, what would you say has been a, a pro and what would you say has been a, a con? Yeah. I'll start with the cons first, you know, save the good for last. Cool. <laughs> yeah, the, the cons of writing a book, I would say, is when you go through and you're editing and you're rereading it, there's so many things you're like, oh, I want to I wanna change this. I want to do this, right? Because, again, that, that perfection monkey is on your back. You're like, man, I want to make this, this awesome, this perfect. You know, oh, I don't feel like I'm adding as much value as I want. So that's one of the cons, right? If you do that, you will never get your book out there. <laughs> you, will not, you will never release that book so um, you really have that's why a coach is really good you know she really pushed you to just say put it out there right edit it make sure there's no no hang-ups and all that stuff get it out there another kind would be that if you do mess up on something it's evergreen right unless you go ahead and change the manuscript it's out there now right so you want to really make sure that you're conveying the message you want uh, you want to really make sure it's in your voice and there's not a lot of grammatical errors and all these other things or people are going to look at you like, what was that, <laughs> right? But I think that the pros definitely outweigh it because the pros are that you're getting out your voice out there. You know, I, it's, it's like what you're saying, your message lives in these pages, right? And it opens up so many opportunities for you. You talk about speaking engagements. You talk about people knowing who you are. You talk about the impact of lives potentially you could impact if they get your book. You know, it's just, it's just so many uh, pros to it. You talk about being able to say finally, like, hey, you know, this will live beyond me, right? This could be the legacy. I'm leaving a legacy in these pages, right? These are my thoughts, 
Um, and, and people take you seriously. You know, you, you're looked at as a thought leader as long as it's not a crappy book, right? <laughs> as long as you're actually saying something in it, you can be seen as a thought leader. And for me, that is very important because what I'm trying to do with this business is it's not just, a, it's not about money. It's not about, you know, being known. It's not about any of that. It's about being able to get the message of healing out there. It's about letting people know that they have the power inside of them, but they have to be willing to take a chance, right, on themselves. You got to be willing to bet on yourself, right? Any person who has done anything has been rejected. They've been told their idea is stupid, right? You think about Jeff Bezos. When he was leaving that Wall Street gig, you know, his boss was like, are you crazy? You live in this, leaving a six-figure cush job to sell books, <laughs> right? You think about that. This guy is the richest man on earth. So you have to be willing to invest in yourself. You have to be confident in that. And you can't be afraid to fail. I talk about that in the book as well. Failure should actually be seen as a good thing, right? Your relationship with failure will be what dictates whether you go, go far or you stay stagnant. Right? Because if you believe that failure is a bad thing, if you believe that failure means that you can't obtain what you're going for, then you already lost. You've already defeated yourself, right? So you have to look at failure and fear as propellers, right? Because those are learning methods. Those are lessons you've learned that you can now apply later on. You know, a lot of the people that um, we hear about today, you know, they were probably rejected thousands of times before they got that one hit. It only takes one. <laughs> it only takes one hit. And now you hit the jackpot, right? But you also have to be able to sustain it. And that's where that on your kingdom comes in, having control of your emotions, your mindset. So when you do hit it, you don't lose it and blow your, you know, lose your mind and start doing all these crazy things. Yeah. And it's also, as you said, failure, it's not, doesn't mean that it's over. It's just that, you know, you're on pause. And also the, the cool thing about failure is that when you fail doing something, what you have learned remains with you. Yes. Then once you start over, you then have, you have an unfair advantage in terms yes. of your knowledge, your experience, and that you can then do the same, get the same amount of growth within half the time or less, because you have right. already gone over the foundations, the basics, the fundamentals. And so you're never failing from zero. You're always failing from where you are and what you've learned. Yes. And if you're failing off of the basics, you already have a, a launching pad. Yes. So you don't have to rebuild that launching pad in order to know where to go. You just need to fix your trajectory in terms of where you want to go, aim and, and fire and you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. I love that analogy. Love that analogy. I always use those too. You know, I always use rockets because you know, rockets are interesting because, you know, the same things that propelled them started to weigh them down. And yeah. then they release, they go ahead and they go higher, right? So it's like, it's, it's kind of the same premise. <laughs> so what are you going to be up to in the upcoming weeks? Oh, in the next couple of weeks, man, you know, I do, I do videos, YouTube videos every Thursday and Sunday. So Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern time and noon Eastern time on Sunday. So I'm just trying to batch content now, um, create that. I'm really looking to expand my, my Instagram presence. So I'll be doing more lives, 
like more reels and all these other things, just trying to package down all of my content into uh, di easily digestible um, pieces, right? And then I'll be doing more of this, more podcasts. You know, I really, I really want to start taking this show on the road. I have a, a book conference coming up once I release that. I'm looking at end of September, early October to do the book. Those who have purchased my book pre-sale are you know, and for a surprise, right? They're in, in for a treat if they've already purchased the book. So purchase the book now if you haven't. While it's in pre-sale. And then, you know, I just, I really want to start uh, speaking more, right? Doing more motivational speaking, more um, engagements. I have one coming up this Friday where I'm speaking to an organization called CompTIA, right? Doing a graduation commencement ceremony speech. Um, so I want to do more of that and just more um, organizational pieces where I speak to organizations and just grow it. Um, and then I've started recently coaching people who have been incarcerated for 20 years plus, uh, who have been, you know, reintegrated into society, just to try to get them that, that mindset over time. You know, they have the mindset of being in there, right? Just trying to get them to bring it back and, and focus on where they are now, which is which is freedom, right? But if you're not mentally free, you're not free at all. So just trying to get them to see that, right? Things that they used to do in there, they don't have to do that anymore. Um, so that's, I want to start doing that more and more work with the youth. Yeah. And also since they've been incarcerated for usually long periods of time, five years plus, they could also, mm -hmm. while, they're, while they're in there, they could be able to learn and grow and understand things about the world that they wouldn't have had the opportunity to do so even if they were in their previous circumstances mm -hmm. but now that they have the time to do it they have the time to learn to grow and they are also able to then once they get out apply those lessons that they've learned from yes. from reading from discussing from even the interactions with people from different walks of life. Yes. Also, those kind of interactions are helpful in terms of their growth in the world. Yes, uh, 100%, 100%. So there's some intelligent people, man. There's some intelligent oh, people yeah. with those unfortunate circumstances, right? And they don't see the, the opportunities or the options, right? Um, and I've been there, right? I've been, I was facing seven years myself. All right, so I got a, a soft spot for that. You know, I've been, you know, in that position where you're like, this is the only thing I can do to get some money, right, to take care of my family, right? But when you start thinking, especially in this day and age, right, you have this, this day and age is the best, right, for us because you have all the information at your fingertips, right? You can really reach out to people who've done it, like literally DM them, right? People who've done it or go on their website or whatever. It's the information age, right? Anything you want to know, you can pretty much find out. And you have access to people that you otherwise would have never been able to talk to in any capacity, right? Back then. So we had to take advantage of that, right? And we had to catch the youth um, right now, right? And let them know that the options are endless these days right you don't have to go into the streets you don't have to you know be doing these types of things anymore because you can create courses right you can create you know ebooks you can create youtube videos you can do all types of things to generate income and to get yourself out there right so there's really no need to be sitting on the corner 
right? All day, every day, when the risk definitely outweighs the rewards, right? There's really no need to sell yourself in that way, right? You don't have to, right? We, we now have options. It's up to us, us as a people, as a community, to show that, right? To try to live on that right path and, and catch the youth who have straight who's at risk for going down the wrong one, right? So I really, now I really want to emphasize that and I really want to do my part in it. So if you're someone who wants to encourage youth to to do things that will allow them to be a benefit to society, how would you go about establishing a speaking career? Speaking career, there's uh, different organizations, right? You can go to like one, I like to recommend people is like the National Speakers Association. They usually have chapters in different cities and stuff, but you can go online, right? I think that that's one of the big things. Toastmasters is a great way to do it. If, if you're you know, older and you have like a profession, you have some type of skill, try to get like a TED Talk. Uh, that's next to my agenda. Just get like a local TED Talk here in Houston. You know, those are short, 10 inches or less typically. So there's a ton of different options, ton of different options. And I always say invest in yourself. Like if that's something you really want to do and, you know, just find a way to like sign up, get a coach, get a mentor, get someone who's been there so they can guide you and help you um, expedite your success. Are there some things that you've learned through your own public speaking career Mm -hmm. in terms of tips and tricks that people usually don't know when to look at a speaker on the stage. Would you mind sharing that with us? Sure. I think it's important to pace yourself, right? Pace yourself when you speak. And I think it's important to realize that making a mistake is not the end of the world. If you misspeak, you know, you can just, you know, pause or say, excuse me. If you lose your pace, you know, you always want to have like a back pocket, right? If you forgot what you were going to say, you always want to have like a go-to, right? That you that you can say whatever and spin off of anything, right? So I think that's important. So if you freeze and you're like, dang, what was I going to say? Have a go-to that you know have been has hit multiple times or it sounds great that you can kind of tie into other things um, and that'll allow you to speak. And then when you're looking out, if you look past the audience, if you have fear of looking at a lot of people, look past the audience, right? Find a point on a wall or something that you can constantly recenter yourself on or find a certain person in the audience that you look at that you feel comfortable with, right? Before you even start talking, scan it. Scan it um, and see and find your people. If you look this way, find one person. If you look the other way, find one person. And that way, you always stay level, right? You don't feel that panic. You don't feel that thing because you feel like you're only talking to one person, right? And that's who you should be talking to. You know, when you're publicly speaking, your message is for that avatar that you've talked to a thousand times before, you know, in your mind. And that's another thing you want to visualize. Visualize yourself doing that speech and doing it well and practice, 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 practice in the mirror or record yourself saying it so you get your cadence down. Uh, Also, like, tell someone, like, speak to someone, have someone you can be like, hey, I wrote another speech. Can you mind listening? That will actually tell you the real deal, right? Let you know if, you know, you need to change some things, let you know if your pace is off. You know, you want to have all these things. Uh, But most importantly, just start. (laughs) Just find someone. And if you got to be like, hey, go to a little school and like, hey, I want to speak to the kids today. 
they they probably will. They probably be like, okay, what's your message? Right, start there. Start small. You don't have to go to these concert hall speeches yet. You know, it's gonna take some time to build up. People have doing that, like ET and all them. Tony Robbins, they've been doing it for forever. It's very rare that you're just gonna magically ascend like out of the gate. Right, start small, build yourself up. Realize success is gradual. You're going to make mistakes, but as you said earlier. It's lessons in that, right? You're starting, your baseline is different once you mess up. And then once you mess up, you realize it's not the end of the world. <laughs> you know, you realize not, it's that. So it's, it's sometimes it's good for you to mess up early on because you realize like, man, I made a mistake and ain't nobody, nobody got hurt. Nobody died. You know, I'm still speaking. So it's all good, <laughs> right? And so... Yeah. So in terms of, as you said, people who, who mess up, they need to recompose themselves, then mm-hmm. they need to talk, continue their, their speech. Do you, what, is, what are your thoughts on using, using humor? Like I know oh. if you speakers, like in the first like two minutes, it tells us some joke regarding the topic of the speech and then the audience laughs and then they go into their speech. Well, what are your thoughts on humor in terms of using it? I think humor is a great opener because one of the things I learned, like just going through my MBA, going through the, uh, you know, my public speaking course, a business communication course was you don't want to start boring. (laughs) You know, if you just start like, Hey, I'm Javon Wooden, you know, I'm a mindset perception coach. No one wants to hear that. That's why when people start, they usually start with a story, a shocking statistic, some humor, right? Because they want, that that catch you want to hook the audience in so i think that if, if you're funny I'm, I'm not very funny right not intentionally anyway so i don't typically start with you i usually but if you are funny i say that is a guaranteed way to hook and reel the audience so start off at the beginning as, as you said short joke and short story then after that, make sure mm-hmm. that you, you you found your people and that you're looking at them across the audience. Make sure that you pace yourself. And whenever you pace yourself, do you pace yourself to the people that you're looking at or do you pace yourself to the entire audience? So when you're pacing yourself, you just want to make sure you're not rushing through what you're saying, right? You need to be clear when you're speaking. You need to make sure that your people, you're understood. And then you want to make sure that you're giving yourself time to breathe because we know like if we don't get enough breath, you start to trail off a little bit as you speak because you're trying to you know get it all out there. Mm. So you want to pace yourself where you'll be clear, your voice is projecting properly. You want to pace yourself where you're catching your breath. And then you want to also use like hand movements, right? You don't want to stand there stiff. You want to make sure that you're in strong positions, power positions, make sure your posture is upright and also make sure like you're using hand gestures because a lot of people, you know, that keeps them engaged. If you're just standing there looking like a board, people are going to start looking elsewhere. So you want to make sure you use everything, you know, everything that you have, right? Slides, props, whatever you have to keep people engaged. But most importantly, you want to make sure that they hear you and you sound confident when you're, when you're speaking. So in terms of sounding confident and also pacing would you say that if you are if you're nervous just starting out would you say that speaking slower is is better or would you say find your pace and stick with that 
Yeah, I would say one, if you're nervous, that's the only is no you're nervous, you know, or you're excited. That's that's the one thing you should do, right? If you come out and it's your first time speaking, you say, Whoo, man, like I'm excited, right? I'm I'm so nervous, right? I always get these butterflies when I come out, you know, seeing y'all, I'm just feeding off this energy, giving me butterflies, right? Use that to get them engaged because now they've disarmed. And if you mess up, they're like, okay, that's just the nervousness, right? Naturally. So you want to go ahead and convey your feelings, right? First and foremost. And then when you talk about pacing, it's just really up to you, right? You always want to give the audience some energy. You don't want to put them to sleep, right? But a lot of times, you know, it depends on what you're doing. Like, is it lecture style? Is it, you know, are you teaching? Are you doing a TED talk? How are you doing? So the, the way you pace yourself has to match that, right? So like the commencement speech I'm doing on Friday, I'm going to slow it down a little bit because I want time for applause. I want time for people to really ingest what I'm saying. You know, I want time for them to all take it in. But if I'm doing, you know, a TED talk, I'm going to probably bring in more energy, right? So it's more excitement. It's more fast paced, right? It's like, I'm, I'm giving it to them like, hey, you know, I got 10 minutes to get this out. I want y'all to look at these slides and listen to me, right? So it depends on what you're doing, but all those things matter. You know, if you're authentic, it's just going to come out how it needs to come out. It just always works, right? So all these keys I'm giving, it's going to work out whoever you are because people tend to gravitate, you know, when they notice that you're being genuine. However you speak, you know, if you speak slow, you know, fine, right? You might be good for lecture style. You just got to find your niche for speaking. Motivational speakers, if you ever notice, a lot of them pause for a while. That, that pregnant pause, they call it, is important because it allows the, the suspense to build. They want to hang on every, every word. They want to know what you're about to say next. So you got to use all that, you know, use all that and find your own, own speed, right? What works for you? Because I can say, like, when I, when I get excited, I know I start speaking a little faster, right? But people feel that because they know I'm getting excited and I'm passionate about whatever I'm conveying. Okay. So make sure, find your own pace. Make sure it's not too slow, not too fast. It's right in the Goldilocks zone. And also make sure to understand that yeah. your audience is is feeding off of what you put out there so if you feel nervous admit it if you feel very excited admit it and then use that also as a hook to draw in your audience and then that way they have your attention and you have theirs okay has there has there been a speaking gig where you would say nothing really landed in the audience you had an audience that you told the joke it didn't really land well you told a statistic and it was just you know flat has there ever been a time in your career that that's happened to you thankfully that hasn't happened yet because again i know that i'm not funny so i don't do too many jokes right in my youtube videos Probably people on the other side watching like, what that was terrible. <laughs> you know, I'm doing the dad jokes, man. I'm throwing dad jokes out there. So, <laughs> you know, people probably are not laughing on the other side of that camera, but, you know, it's all good. You got to have fun with it. You know, you have to have fun with it. And one of the things I want to convey to listeners is sometimes when you're looking out there and you drop something, even if it looks like it didn't land, a lot of people are just internalizing it. 
right? They're just like, oh, wow, you know, that statistic is crazy. Or, you know, that joke, maybe they're like just snickering, right? You may not see it. They might be all the way in the back row. So I always say you don't have to really worry too much about that stuff, right? Don't really worry about the, the physical reactions. You just want to make sure that the, what you're making is, is valid, is important, and is, is, is you, authentically you, right? Speak about what you really want to share with the audience. That's all you have to worry about. So it's about being authentic. Who mm-hmm. you are, yeah. your speech, your even the way in which you present in terms of if you use a slideshow or not, or mm-hmm. use props kind of thing. Yeah. Right, right. Now, using... Do you prefer to speak with or without a slideshow? Me personally, I prefer to speak without one. But if I'm sharing like some some information heavy material, then I will use a slideshow. A slideshow. Yeah. And so do you think that the, because I've seen a bunch of uh, speeches, it's usually on YouTube and they have Mm -hmm. a person talking with a slideshow next to them. And it's very... I don't know, it's cringy feeling when you see <laughs> the word on the screen and then you can see them looking at it and then they just say it to the audience. Uh, right. In terms of writing out your slides, is there a way that you do it where what is on the screen isn't what you say? Yeah, if you're doing something that you know it's going to be a long speech or long anything, I would also I would put like reminders, put bullet points, like what did you talk in speech just to remind you you don't don't need to put the whole speech on there that's that's cringeworthy right you're sitting there like um yeah yeah but you know (laughs) but like if if you like if you know that you may forget something just put the bullet point just say like oh i want to talk about vulnerability here i wanted to talk about forgiveness here you know just put that and then maybe put some like a even if it's just image, right? Images are cool because people see it and they're like, oh, that matches to what they're saying. But it also could be a reminder for you, right? If you have a family who's like this, you know, maybe you're talking about emotion, right? Or maybe you're talking about family. You have a heart, maybe you're talking about love. So just, you could use those two as your keys, right? And it also just provides a visual to reinforce whatever you were speaking for the audience as well. Um, because one thing you don't want to do is have really busy slides because it's hard for someone to pay attention to the slide and you, right? So you want to make your slides, if you do have them, as plain as possible. Okay. And what about sharing the slides? Have you ever done that before? Sharing the slides after the speech? Yeah, 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 yeah. It depends on it depends on what it is. Like, if I know it was information heavy, then I'll probably share it because people may look back and be like, "Okay, that's what they meant by that percentage point or something like that." Okay, so it's making sure whenever you speak that your slides have its generalities, but they are specific to you. Like as you said, vulnerability. So that's the time to tell the story about this and this. You have yeah. your forgiveness bullet point. That's just time to talk about this moment that happened with this person. Okay. So it's to have the bullet points right. and also to have use images and that will then trigger the, the emotions that you need in order to remember your speech that comes after that, the words that you say right. after that. Right. Okay. Exactly. 
So you can use that like if you don't want to, because I know I know even some people who just have like an index card. I don't personally like index cards in my hands because I will get lost just looking at them. But some people literally like keep that card in their hand. They have all their points in that one little card. That whatever works for you, if that's what works, you just don't want to have like a, a big old paper where you're like, oh yeah. Oh, oh, and oh, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to do that. But uh, yeah, unless you're doing like a speech and you have to read that. But you know, you see the presidents and stuff. But the best thing to do is just try to remember as much as possible, but also have improv. You know, be able to improvise uh, on things and remember your key points that you wanted to speak about, just to make sure you hit those. Right? However you hit them. You know, you want it to land, you want it to be impactful. But if you're if you've been practicing, it should come out naturally. One more point is try not to turn your back to the audience, right? You always want to be kind of facing. Maybe if you turn, right, you want sideways, but try not to turn your back all the way to the audience. It's, it's another yeah. point. I mean, it's that so then that way it doesn't feel as if you are like, cutting yourself off from them. Yeah cutting yourself off and when you project right is going backwards so now they could probably barely hear you unless you had the mic right so so those are just some points um, you want to keep in mind okay so it's use bullet points on your slides use images on your slides and those are both for you so then mm-hmm. you can know exactly what to do next right. also it's to make sure that you are standing in front of your audience you are moving your arms, being dynamic in a way that captures the audience's attention and make sure that you you always have eye contact with the audience and don't, right. and don't turn their back on them ever, okay? Right, yes, oh. yes, sir. Nice. Well, Javon, I want to thank you so much for spending your time on the Black Gold Podcast. I have one more question for you, and that is if you had the ability to send a worldwide text, what would your message be? If I had the ability to send a worldwide text first, I love that question, Moses. Um, My message would be, be compassionate, be empathetic, be patient, be kind, be loving, but most importantly, be you. Is there any specific reason why you would say those I think that compassion, one, compassion is the key to me, from my opinion. Compassion is really the key to happiness for everyone. If everyone was compassionate and everyone shared that joy, there would be no need for all this war and stuff, right? Because we will be trying to help one another. We will be trying to share what we have. There wouldn't be all this competition. There'd be more collaboration, right? And I think that also... If you were you, being you authentically, right, it'll be a lot easier for people to know what you want. You'll share how you felt. You'll be more honest, right? There'll be more expression of feelings and emotions, right? There will be all of these things, and I feel like it will just put the world in a much better place than it is today. Do you mind if I share, like, how people can reach out to me? Absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. So... Reach out to me on all platforms. Live not loathe, right? That's IG, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. Just type in live not loathe and I will pop up. Uh, you can also book your free discovery sessions at live not loathe slash dot com slash on your kingdom. Um, and get the book on your kingdom.com. 
It's still for order available pre-sale. I'll make sure to put the link in the description. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I appreciate your platform. I love what you're doing, man. Keep doing it, King. Thank you so much, Javon. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Appreciate yours. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Black Gold Podcast. Please subscribe and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Instagram at the Black Gold Pod in order to be updated about new episodes each week. In order to listen to incredible and inspiring stories, please go to the Black Gold Podcast website and make a donation so the stories of these incredible and amazing people will be waiting for you each and every week so that you may be inspired and become an inspiration to someone else.